0: hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope you uh, had plenty to eat. I sure did, and, and then some. Well, uh, if you're here today visiting with us, I know we've got some family members that are here uh, because you're visiting family. It's great to have you. We're right in the middle of a series called Future Family, and I would encourage you, if you could, go back and listen to, you can go to our website, you'll receive the, the location of the website on your newsletter Go back and listen to the first two of the, it's going to be about a five or six part series. Incredible information uh, that you're going to get about building your family and how your family can be. Uh, And one of the things we're going to talk about today that all of us have in, in common. I don't know if anything happened, you know, if you had some drama during the Thanksgiving. You know, it usually happens around the holidays there's some drama. Conflict. And that's one thing that all families, all of them, have in common. If you hear a family that says, no, we don't have any conflict, they are lying. And, and that's, that's true. All of us, we, we fuss and we fight. And that's what we're going to talk about today is common cause. What, what causes fights and fusses in, in our families and, and how we do with that. And, you know, interesting thing about uh, uh, an argument, an argument you know, if you have an argument at, at work, how do you feel when you win that argument? Yes. Told him, told her, you know, at school. How do you feel when, when you win that argument in your class or with your classmates? Yeah. On the, on, the, on the playground, wherever it is. But guess what? When you have an argument in family, who wins? You may win, but nobody wins in an argument in the family. Because, you know, you feel that. Husband and wife. When you have an argument, you, you walk away and you go, man, I won, but we didn't win. We lost. You know, and as a wife, you know, I told him and he got his. And I won, but we didn't really win. You know, you lose something. And that's one of the principles that, that we're going to look at today is no, no one wins, And something that happens with, with conflict in family it's like no other conflict. You know, because when you have conflict at work, you can leave work. You're, you're gone. Okay, but when you have conflict at, at home, when there's conflict at home in the family, it's complicated. It wears on you. It's emotional. And guess what? It's very painful. You take it with you wherever you go. And so in family, when you have arguments and fighting and conflict, it's like no other place. And so today we're going to talk about that, how we can avoid it, how we can overcome it. And there's different ways of processing conflict. Okay. Some of you are what we call peacemakers and you're just so nice, you know, and we, we have, there's a conflict. You're always, no, wait, wait, time out. We can work this out and it's okay and it's fine and, and we don't need to, and some of you are like that. You're the peacemakers. You're the nice people. Right? And this is different ways we process conflict. And then there's the sulkers. Some of you are sulkers. I'm not asking for any hands to be raised. Okay? No hand raising. Okay? You just you think about who's the sulker in your family. Maybe it's you. And what sulkers do is, you know, when there's a conflict, you go, So, so how are you doing? I'm fine. Really? You, you don't seem fine. No, really. I'm, I'm fine. You know, those are the sulkers, and then then you got the stuffers. You know, the stuffers. These, these are the ones that internalize everything, and you ask the question. So, are you okay? I'm fine. No, really, is everything all right? Yeah, I'm good. And they just stuff it. You know, there's a volcano inside of them, and they're just burning. They're ready, to, but they they stuff it. Right? Maybe that's you, or you're the litigator. Man, these are cool, clean, they are good. They can, they can argue, they will win all arguments. They probably have, you know, a 10-0 and 0 record in the house. For all arguments are won. And you can even ask them, you know, you, you're always right, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I am. I'm usually always right. You know, and they're so good. They, got, they always got to come back. They always got an answer for everything. They're litigators and they're great. And they always win the argument. But when it's in the home, it may work in the bedroom. It may work in the family room. You know, but you don't win. You know, what, what's good when you win an argument in the little league field? That's fine. But when it's at home, nobody wins. Nobody wins. And then the last one is the screamer. The screamer. You know, some of you, you know, you're raised in a home where the idea was it's better out than in. So you scream. You yell. you, You raise your voice. And that's just how everybody does it. The parents raise their voice with the kids. The kids raise their voice. And everybody's screaming. And that's how you deal with conflict. You scream the top of your lungs, you had to close the windows because the neighbors are going to hear. And maybe, maybe the neighbors know who you are. But usually a screamer, when they get married, they marry somebody in the other four categories. And this is what happens that first, you know, after the honeymoon's over and, and, and then there's first conflict, the first argument, the screaming starts and the, and the person, in the other four categories are like, whoa, demon come out. What is that? And and the screamer tries to rationalize and say, no, no, it's better. You've got to get it all out. It's important. You go, wait a second, but not like that. That is not out. That That is out there. And so this is the different ways that people process. And there's different ways that people process conflict. But what we're going to look at today is as long as there's family, there's going to be conflict. And the thing we're going to look at today is there's only one source for conflict. There's only one source. You may have some pushback from that. Because if we were to ask the question today, okay, whatever happened this week, okay, and if we just took a couple minutes out. So if I were brave, I'd say let's take a couple minutes out to talk with the person who you came with and ask this question. Okay, what's the the big question is? Here it is. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Let's just take a couple minutes here and, and let's turn to the person who you came with and the family member. If I were brave, I'd ask us to take a couple minutes to do that. What causes? But you know what would happen if we did that? <laughs> that fights break out right here in church. You know? Back there, back there, back there. Everybody would be, wait and then the finger pointing would start. Okay? So today we're going to look at a question spoken from the brother of Jesus, James. He wrote an epistle. And this is huge what he wrote. I mean, it's so significant what he wrote. And he asked this question in James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? And so what's the answer to that question? Whatever happened? This week, last week, last month, today even, maybe this morning, on your way to church. What was the root of that conflict with mom and dad that happened on Friday when they were on your case and you guys went back and forth? What was the cause of it? And and, and you may say, Well, the cause of it was Mom and under, Mom and Dad don't get me. And so the finger comes out. What's the cause? fights and quarrels it's you it's you and it's you and we we start pointing in the direction and we we get into this this situation and we get into the blame mode what's the reason we fight and we quarrel well if she she would do what i want or do what i ask then we wouldn't have problems and if my husband would just get off my case, and if he would just get out there and make a living and make more money, and if she would stop spending all the money, and if my kids would listen, and if they would, if they would get their act together and start doing what I ask, and on and on and on we go. And where it stops, Lord only knows. And it's sad, but this is how we manage conflict. For a long time, and sometimes the conflict can be so severe and drag on and on, there's damage done to the family. And it's destroyed. And as Shirley showed, you know, at a, you know uh, how she shared this morning, she said she didn't want to get married. You know, that's a description that a lot of people feel today because they were raised in a family where there was so much drama, so much conflict, so much ugliness, they don't want to be a part of a family. They don't want to be a part of that. They'd rather just remain single. And it's cool, you know, because when you're single, you know, we'll talk with them later. But the singles, man, they, they got it. They got it good. You know, they, if they have conflict here, guess what they do with roommates? They move out. And they go to another rooming situation. Right. And if they got uh, they got some conflict here, guess what they do? Well, they move over here and you're free and you, you can roll wherever you want to roll as, as a single. But when you're in family, you're trapped. There's no escape. You know, you've got to live with these people. That And then we get into this situation, well, if, if they would just change, everything would be fine. And we get into this mode of blaming, of blaming other people for what's going on. And here's the principle. As long as you blame others for your unhappiness, you will always be unhappy. i got an illustration for this so you can understand it. Here's what we do with our our happiness. We take this and, and basically we take a position of I will not be happy until you change what you need to change. So basically what we do is we take our happiness and we give it to somebody else. And I hate you, Ted. I am so mad at you. And I'm not going to be happy until you give it back to me. Who would do that? Would you do that? Makes no sense, right? But that's what we do. That's what we do with our happiness. We let our parents hold it. We let our friends hold it. We let our brother hold it. We let our sister hold it. And basically, we take this position of I will be happy if... I will be happy if you would start, you would stop, or you would change, if you would start doing what you need to do, if you would comply, then I will be happy. And, you know, we go on and on. If you, if you, if you, if you, if you. And so basically what you're doing, you're giving somebody else your happiness this is how it works with conflict. And we allow people to control what's going on here by putting the blame and the responsibility on them. So what I'm going to help you do today is take back your happiness and you finding a way to be happy with what's going on. And, and, I, and I promise you, what we're going to look at today, if, if all of us, if all of us would just, just grab what we're going to talk about today, it will make all the difference. And here's something that I've learned through this series. And i got to tell you guys, I may give these series, but these series help me. They help our family. Even this past week, as Dave shared, you know, going around and asking the question, hey, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Man, it just brought the level down and created an environment in the home that, that everybody's getting along, because I'm in this for you. But today, what we're going to talk about is if you are unhappy. If you came here today and you are not this, okay? You are not happy. Chances are, chances are the reason you're not happy is because somebody else is under your skin. It's mom, it's dad, it's sister, it's brother, it's kids, it's whatever. You're you're walking around very unhappy because of somebody else. And my best play, our best play, is this. Is to take responsibility for everything that goes on. And this is my takeaway from this series. You know, and it may take me a while to figure out what it is that's my responsibility. I don't know what my responsibility is. But give me a few minutes and I'll figure it out. But that's our best play. And it may, you know, go to the default button and go, well, you know, if I'm having problems with, with in, the, in the family, I can go, well, maybe the reason is I should have never taken my wife out on a date in the first place. That could be the default mode. Okay? Never, never should have started that, but it's, it starts with me. Now, that's an out. It's not, okay, that's an excuse. But our best play is to take responsibility for what's wrong. What's happening in the conflict? And blaming, blaming never accomplishes anything. It's a dead end in family. It's a dead end. And this principle of blaming, it it affects all areas. It can affect you in work. It can affect you at school. It can affect you everywhere. But if you'll take this principle, and most of all it affects our family environment, if we'll take this principle we're going to learn today, I promise you, it will make all the difference in how you manage conflict. And this is huge what we're going to talk about today. So take some notes. You may have to go back and, 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 and listen to this or hear this again or go over it again. So here's James. He goes on to say, What causes fights? Brother Jesus, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Here it is. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? What causes fights? What causes quarrels? Basically, you have to take the finger and point it back at you and say, what's going on in me that's creating this this fight, this quarrel? And it all comes back to us. And sometimes we can think. That there are as many reasons for fights and quarrels as there are people in the room. But the reality is, you are the cause of all conflicts and fights. And what James is saying here, if we can learn to think this way, it can change everything in our family dynamic. And, and, And he goes on to say here, you desire... But you don't have. So basically, all of us, all of us have these desires in us. And the desire is this we want something from somebody else, and we can't have it. You want a particular behavior from your wife, from your kids, from your husband. You want something from them. You have a desire. I want them to behave. I want them to do their chores. I want mom and dad to understand me. You want something from somebody in your family and you can't have it. And guess what that creates? Conflict. Where? In here. And so the origin of fights... And quarrels is here. That's where it all begins. That's where it all starts. And he goes on to say, here's something. It's intense. He says, you desire, but you do not have. You want it, but you can't have it. So what do you do? So you kill. Whoa, 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 whoa. We haven't killed anybody in the family. And remember, James is writing this to a church. He's not writing it to death row inmates. Okay, he's writing this to a church. And so, what this, this, what he's saying here is called a hyperbole. It's an exaggeration. A little bit. But let me tell you how we kill. We kill relationships. When parents are so intense on their kids and they're like after them, you've got to get good grades, you've got to behave, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and we're so much on top of them and we're after them and we're after them. Guess what we do to the relationship? You kill the relationship. And, and a husband with his wife, he belittles her so much, he runs her down Over and over again, what she's not doing, you don't do the laundry, you don't do the dishes. I come home from work, I'm doing all this stuff, and you keep never, you never do what I want, and you never come through. And what happens after a period of time? You kill the relationship. And a wife with her husband, she nags and she nags and she nags. You don't come home on time. You're never insensitive. You never listen to me. You never give me the quality time that I need. And you, and you, and you, and you. And it's just on and on. And guess what he does? He shuts down. And it kills the relationship. And there are families, there are marriages that have been destroyed because of this Desire that we have that people will become what we want them to be. And in reality, we need to deal with what is going on inside of us. Guess what? All of us have got to change a lot. I mean, let's just take a look. Here's what God God is asking of all of us. Just do all this on this list right here. That's a long list. But does God put the relationship with you On the line, if you don't behave a hundred percent of what he's asking, you know what God does with us. He loves us. In fact, he puts the relationship above the list. And see, when the we understand that principle of the relationship comes first, and basically what Jesus did on the cross is, he says, "I will take responsibility." For you first. That's huge. And you know, it goes both ways. For the teens in the house, you guys are feeling like, yeah, yeah, mom and dad, mom and dad want me to do this. And they're always after me and they're trying to control me. And they tell me who I can hang around with and what I can do and et cetera, et cetera. But guess what? You guys want something from your parents. And you can't have it. And so you kill the relationship also. You shut down. You don't want to talk to them anymore. You go into silent mode. You go into shut-off mode. You know, we go in our room, sit on the bed, put the headphones on, tune out. mom comes in and says, hey, you got junior, can you check out? And you kill the relationship. See, all of us, all of us are in this category. We want something, but we can't have it. And here's an interesting question you got to ask yourself. Why is it that you hurt the people closest to you? I mean, these are the people you've made vows to, you've made promises to, you work hard for, you've do, you sacrificed for your family more than anybody else in the world. You're willing to, to put them on your shoulder and carry them around and bear the burden for your family. Why is it the people that you do the most for, you fight with the most? Why is it the people that we love the most, we fight with the most? You want to know what the common denominator is? Why you fight with people at home more than you do at school, more than you do at work? Why is that? There's one common denominator. You. They're close to you. And we're all guilty. We fuss and we fight. Because they're close to us. You are the common denominator. You are the one. And that's what James is trying to sell us. He's trying to help us understand the people that you hurt the most, that happens because they're close to you. You're the common denominator. You desire, but you don't have. You kill, and then he goes on to say you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so we quarrel and fight. Now, I'm not smart enough to come up with this. That's why the Bible is so powerful. It's it's right to the source. And if you and I would listen to what the Word says, it can change everything. If we would just stop and listen and take a time out and pause and go, wait a second. You know, when you feel feel the conflict welling up inside of you and you just, "Mm," time out. Time out. And stop in the middle of your conflict and recognize what the problem is. What's the problem here? I want something from somebody else in my family and I'm not getting it. I want something and I'm not getting it. And then it just, and if you will recognize that, it can make all the difference in your relationships with your family. Now, we're going to do a little exercise here today, okay? And you've got a little audience participation. If you're a guest here, this is something we do. It sticks with you. Last week, what was the question that we did together? What can I do to help? All right, we're going to do this, okay? So when you're in the middle of the conflict, and you're in the middle of the, the, the heated discussion, and, and the, the argument is happening, here's what I want you to do. Okay, ready? You're going, to, you're going to do it. We're going to split it in half. You know what the problem is here? Okay, one more time. You're creating conflict in me. I want something from you, and you got (laughs) to... Okay, here we go. Okay, repeat it with me. You know what the problem is here? One more time. You know what the problem is here? Wow. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine repeating that? In an argument? Here's the problem. Here's the situation. I'm not getting what I want. What's that do to you? You could use this H for humility, but it's for happiness. It humbles you. Here's the problem. Here's the source. And so if you would just just take that and go, you know what? I need to take responsibility for me first. got to look at me first. And then, you're, you know, you may be sitting here and you're going, yeah, man, you know, I wish the middle schoolers were here. They were here a little while ago and then they left. I wish they could hear this. Or I wish my husband could hear this. Or I wish my wife could hear this. Or I wish somebody I knew could hear this. And there you go. There you go again. You want other people to change. and You don't want to take care of you. And that's the principle that James is trying to teach us. And then he, Jesus, Jesus said this very same thing. He says, why do you look at the speck? Matthew chapter seven, verse three. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Verse three, or verse four. How can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck of your own eye when All the time, there is a plank in your own eye. Verse 5, you hypocrite, first, 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 take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You want to resolve conflict? In your marriage? In your family? Go to the origin. Go to the cause. It's a common cause for all of us. It's us. It starts with us. First, take what is your responsibility. Whether it's a plank, whether it's a post, a telephone pole, take care of that first. Take care of that first. It'll make all the difference. You know, in marriage counseling... Uh, there's, there's several ministers that, that do this. They'll sit down with a couple, and they're fighting, man, and they, it's so bad that they need counseling. So they sit down, and, and the, ma- the, the counselor will put a, put a circle, a pie, in front of them and say, okay, I want you, and whoever they start with, I want you to cut out a piece, cut out a piece of what's your responsibility in this situation. Okay. And they'll never do it. The husband won't do it, the wife won't do it. Even if it's just a little a little sliver, you know, just like a small percentage. You know that I won't do it? This principle right here. If you own a slice, you gotta be nice. If you own a slice, you gotta be nice. And you know what? Counseling will go nowhere. Will go nowhere. Even if He is the greatest counselor of all time. You realize that Jesus, Jesus Himself, could not help people with their problems. The Son of God could not help people with their problems. Do you know why He couldn't help them with their problems? Because they were unwilling to take responsibility for them. And what they needed to change. And if we will listen to what James is saying, if we will just say, you know what? It starts with me. Guess what happens to that little sliver? That little, little small piece that we think is our responsibility. When we think about it, when we pray about it, it gets bigger. And then we realize it's 50-50. Or maybe it's 70-30. And I'm the 70. But this always provides the way out. You say, well, I object. Objection. Objection. You don't understand. He made a vow to me. He hasn't changed. He keeps coming in late. He keeps drinking. He keeps doing whatever. Whatever it is. Understand this. And I don't want to be insensitive to anybody. I realize you may have a very complicated situation that you're in. But if. 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 You start with you, it can make a huge difference where you will recognize what you want. And it takes, it takes the responsibility and puts it on them because they realize you're being the example. And this is what James is saying to all of us. And this is what God is saying to all of us. I want you and your family relationships, I want you to start with you. And take responsibility for what's causing the quarrel and the fight with you. And even in the most extreme circumstances, there's a part of your pain that's related to something that you want. Even in the most extreme situations, there's something in there that you can grab a hold of and say, Yep, this is mine. This is me. So we read on in James 4, chapter chapter 4, verse 2. You desire, but you do not have. So you kill and you covet. But you cannot have what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. And you have not. You do not have because you do not do what? Ask God. Okay, so if you're not a believer and you're not a follower, this is where you can kind of pull back and take what we've said so far and leave it at that. Okay? That's yours. Try it. See if it works. But if you're a believer in the Bible, if you're a believer in Jesus, this is something you've got to own. Because too often what we do with conflict, we run with it. And we're off on our tangent. And we won't stop and do this. Ask God for help. And when we pray, I mean I'm saying get down on your knees and ask God for help. But but in this, do not pray cuz sometimes when we pray for people, we pray at them. You know what I mean? God, help him to change cuz he's driving me crazy. He's 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 a nut. And and God, I pray for my daughter. I pray that 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 you will will help her not to like that idiot. I'm sorry, God. He's not an idiot. But but You know, I know you created him. But maybe you weren't paying attention when you created him. And sometimes that's how we pray. Here's what James is saying. You pray for you. And you pray to God and you say, God, help me to recognize that I want something from him, her, them. And I'm not getting it. Help me to deal with that. And then God can start working on you. And guess what happens? That little slice gets bigger. And guess what happens to that conversation after prayer? It changes. You sit down and you go, Okay, I get what's mine. And I apologize for getting upset with you. Here's the bottom line. I want something from you, and I can't have it. And I'm frustrated. And I'm sorry. Because here it is. My relationship with you is more important than this behavior change. Or this thing that you're not doing. Or you not taking the trash out. Or you not doing the dishes. And once you get the relationship settled, guess what happens? The dishes start getting done because then there's a heart, there's a love, there's like, hey, I want to give to this family. I want to, you know, changes everything. So we've got to ask God. We've got to bring God into it. And this is the last thing I want to say. And we're going to close it down. And this is something you're going to have to look at. Who is suffering because you aren't getting what you want? Daughter, son, maybe they're grown. Maybe they've left home and they're still running around trying to live up to the expectations that you put on them when they were growing up. And the relationship is in trouble. They don't call. They're not coming home. They don't want to be there with you. Because they're still feeling like that relationship is based on me living up to your expectations. That's how bad it can get. So you may have to make a list. Who is suffering? Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your wife. And you know, for some of us, we can look back in our history and go, man, but it's too late. I, I, I really messed that one over. This is about here forward. There may be some things that you can't go back and fix. This is too late. But don't underestimate a phone call Don't underestimate a letter that you write or an email and how that can restore the relationship. When you take responsibility for I wanted something from you and I couldn't have it and it drove me bananas. Boy, that takes great humility. But it could save your family. That relationship. And you know... I want to encourage you to be courageous. Because you only have one family. We only get one shot at this. Some people like to pick up and start over and have a new family. Yeah, but that other family is still your family. And it's important that we as followers of Jesus try to be at peace with all men. Even if you've and started a second family, that you, you do your best to reconcile with everybody. That's what the Bible teaches. And so with this, here's a proverb that I read this week. Fit right into what we're talking about. Fool, fools give full vent to their rage. But the wise bring calm into the end. That's what we're talking about here today. Taking the time out and bringing God into the picture so there can be calm. But if you're so focused on what you want and what you're not getting and you rage over it and you argue and you raise your voice and you say hurtful things, guess what happens? You ruin what God has created to be something special. And if you will do this, if you will do this today, I promise you, your family can be a light in a very, very dark world. And particularly you guys, you young people here, if you will do this, if you'll take this home with your mom and your dad and you'll practice this and you'll get this, Wherever relationship you start in the future, that woman, that, that dreamboat, whoever he is, whoever she is, I promise you, you're going to have a phenomenal relationship in the future because of this principle. There will be love, harmony, and peace. Conflict, yes, but how we manage it is huge. How did Jesus, how did Jesus, and now we're going to take the communion, how did Jesus manage the conflict That was going on between us and God. How did he deal with it? Really? He told God, as we talked about last week, What can I do to help? You're going to need to die for their sins. You're going to need to go down there and humble yourself and take responsibility for what they have done. And they're going to treat you bad. Jesus' response, I'll do that. That's what He did for you. Is it too much to ask that you do that with the people that you love? With your family? With your wife? With your husband? With your parents? With your kids? And that you'll start with you. And Jesus said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Let's pray for the communion. Our Father and our God in heaven, we are so, so grateful for your word that helps us recognize the root, the cause of all of our conflict. God, we want to ask you to please forgive us for the times that we fought, even this week when we've argued, when we raised our voices, where we got intense and we said things that hurt. Forgive us, Lord, and help us today to start over. God, and we want to lift up Jesus right now. We want to remember, God, what Jesus did for us on the cross that He died for our sins, that He took responsibility for us. And I pray, Father, that we will respond to that cross and that we will respond to your love for us by initiating change and that we will follow Jesus by taking responsibility for what we do in our relationships and our family. Please forgive us. We, We lift up the blood of Jesus. We lift up the body of Jesus now and we are so, so grateful that you love us that much. Forgive us and help us to start fresh.